Hi everyone, it's nice to be able to get back to connecting with all of you. It's been a week for all of us, and despite everything going on around in this world, in this pandemic, it has been very challenging for people who are in the front line. So I wanted to take some time to thank you for your sacrifice and for everything that you do. I didn't want you to think that other people are taking you for granted. At least for now, as you are listening to this podcast, and if you know of anyone who are those who serve in the front line of this pandemic, I hope we are able to show them the unsolicited appreciation that they deserve. As we talk about the values of connection and focusing on the signals that we show, let's dive into the third signal that we show or receive And that is unguarded openness. Previously, we talked about how extra effort is instrumental in communicating intent that is more than words. And how unsolicited appreciation is something that uplifts and breaks down walls that are there that block connection. We also talked about how these two values, when put together, are already very powerful tools to be able to overcome challenges in forming a connection with someone. Now let's jump into unguarded openness. When we talk about unguarded openness, what is the idea that comes in your mind? Does it entail transparency or an ability to be an open book to people? Or does it simply mean it's our ability to be comfortable with our truth? The truth is we all have relationships that we feel comfortable opening up with. And we all have relationships that we don't really feel that same level of comfort with. Individually, we all have a unique sense of our own sense of safety. What openness is really deep down is exactly that, our sense of safety with our own selves, with how we relate with the world around us. And we all have our own way of portraying our own openness to different relationships we have in our lives. And rightfully so. We have walls for a reason. We create these walls so that we not only keep ourselves relatively safe from external threats, but also to keep us safe from our own internal threats. Unguarded openness is not a process wherein we recklessly take down these walls and leave us vulnerable. It's not. That wouldn't be the proper way of establishing a connection. In fact, that process of being open requires a conscious effort of becoming aware of the walls we have and knowing that the relationship is much more important than that fear. So fear, where does fear come from? How do we address the fear of being hurt, fooled, and so on? Well, that certainly is a difficult question because at the end of the day, Fear is necessary for our survival. It's ultimately necessary. When we get crippled by fear, however, 
we also stop our own capacity for growth. How then do we start a healthier relationship with fear? Well, let's start with understanding how growth works. In the 1950s, there were two American psychologists by the name of Joseph Luft and Harry Ingram. And they developed a model aimed to understand how communication, feedback, and disclosure worked in our own model of self-awareness. Their idea was that trust can only be acquired if we revealed information about ourselves to others and learning from the feedback of others. From this, they created a window with four panels, which they aptly called the Joe Harry window, which is something they coined from combining their two first things together. From these four windows, from these four windows, they put in place a way for people to signify their personal information, feelings, motivation, and whether or not they were aware or unaware of the information being presented to them. They learned that growth and connection happens when there is that openness to accept the feedback, as well as awareness to be able to see how the feedback applies to their life and situation. And they also discovered that the more closed off you are to a team or a person, that that relationship would not grow and will not create the right elements for a positive relationship. Have you ever had a supervisor that was secretive to everyone around you? Like a few years ago, I was invited to be the vice president of operations for a small outsourcing company in Davao City. When I jumped on board, I already felt that there was a massive disconnect with teams and supervisors, mainly because of the culture that was established before I had arrived. It was communicated to me that mostly the leadership liked to keep decisions close to the chest and behind closed doors. And they clearly put the staff and even some of the middle managers and keep them at arm's length. This created a very subservient culture that the leadership was not questioned, mainly because there was no room for it. So it was a typical situation when toxicity was relatively high, production was also at a high level, but the payoff to employee health and motivation were atrocious. And just a few months prior to my hiring, the company underwent a meltdown of sorts, and there were mass resignations. So one of the first things that I did was to sit every manager in that company down in one room and just listen to them, to be able to hear them out and listen to their concerns. I listened for weeks. I made sure that the managers felt and saw through every managerial decision made there on out, and that their input was valued. In no time at all, we were able to repair company culture and somewhat get the company back on its feet. What was missing in this equation? You would think that high profit and production was, was, was gold, but high profit and high production don't guarantee company or corporate success. 
And while they were seeing a massive spike in performance back in the day, they also suffered massive losses and emotional fatigue getting those numbers. And it was really a struggle that was beginning to take its toll. It was unsustainable. So what was the first key for me to be able to gather people's trust? I needed to be open. So when the past, they would not get to meet until there is an evaluation or a crisis. We would, we would then meet every week to discuss and talk about issues or something else. And occasionally, you know, take them out to lunch and just hang out and relax. We would not talk about work. When before the meeting was only an exercise of taking insults and instructions, our meetings began to be a form of constructive growth where we would talk about mistakes openly and without fear. And before, when people under them would be afraid and disconnected with management, we were starting to see that the toxic people had no place in the company culture anymore. Frankly, things were looking up. All because of that decision. And it was a long process, that recovery, and that company is still making its way through this pandemic too, up to this day, since I left. But I know that if they had the right intention and maintained the values that helped them through difficult situations, they'll be okay. So for your workplace right now, what does openness look like? Does it mean spending more time with your teammates and slowly opening up yourself to them to gain their trust? Does it look like you showing more to your partner and sharing your feelings to them more readily without fear? Or is it you just expressing yourself with security and safety because you know deep down that you are accepted and that you are enough just the way you are? I'm looking forward to hearing what results might come for you this week. I leave you with this quote. John Maxwell said, openness by the leader paves the way for ownership by the people. And without ownership, changes will be short term. Changing people's habits and ways of thinking is like writing instructions in the snow during a snowstorm. Every 20 minutes, the instructions must be rewritten unless ownership is given along with instructions. So take care and hope you have a productive week.